Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I am your Cobra intern who secretly bought a G.I. Joe O-ring, <gasps> codename Legion Cub. And we've got to open this thing up. I have to, uh, I don't, I, I don't really want to apologize but I do want to make note of the fact that I went a little nuts at the end of the last episode. <laughs> you went hard on Hasbro. It was good. I, I got a little. You got to let it out sometimes. <laughs> I got a little caught up in the live stream experience, which, by the way, if you're listening now and you missed the live stream, uh, you can watch it on the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, and we will be back with another live stream on November 29th. Uh, but I, I had some feelings and I let them out and you'll have to go back and listen to that episode or, or watch the video that is available on the needless things, YouTube channel, uh, alongside many GI Joe reviews at this point, I don't know how many more might be up. There could be at least a couple more by this time. I don't know. Some things uh, might arrive in the mail. You never know. It's entirely possible. But I'll tell you this much. I've got about a dozen Masters of the Universe Origins figures that I could review right now <laughs> is all I'm going to say. Uh, all right. You can check us out. Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram is the best way to get in touch with us. Uh, if we miss something, if we make a mistake, or if you just want to suggest a topic uh or an idea for the show hit us up over there if you've got some cool gi joe art or something you want to share let us know we'll repost it with with our broad social media reach because we are so very skilled at the medias that are social uh and then on twitter i i don't think twitter by this point by the time this episode airs twitter probably won't exist anymore so don't even bother uh all right you guys, we've got some good stuff this week. Are, are we ready to get down to business? I'm we ready are. for some fun. Oh, fun. It's perhaps the house of fun. Oh, yes. It's my As favorite it were. madness song. I need, I need some madness on vinyl so bad you wouldn't believe. I actually have the self-titled one, but it's so scratched because I bought it without looking at the record. It's so scratched up. Uh, so, yeah, while we cannot discuss the House of Fun, we can discuss the Fun House. Yeah. So it's been kind of a hot topic of conversation around these parts lately. The Fun House. You're welcome. Yeah, then that's yes, absolutely. Uh, from figure ideas to pictures on Instagram to that, that we've discovered people have been like loving this whole concept for a very long time. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, it's funny. I'll often think about uh, G.I. Joe, people say things like Z list characters uh, or favorite episodes, but to me, because G.I. Joe hit this sweet spot. Uh, particularly the real American hero cartoon from what 85 to 87. 
uh, or is it 84? I can't ever remember if it was 84 when the first uh, 83 was the first. Was it 83? Miniseries. Miniseries. Yeah, so 83, 83 and 84 were the first two miniseries, and then 85 was the first full year well, of well, cartoons. Basically, everything G.I. Joe that happened from 82 to 87, I kind of love equally. Like, it's all just good, but people really love The Fun House. <laughs> um, aired on October 1st, 1985, written by Steve Mitchell and Barbara Petty. Uh, this is, we've referenced it a number of times over the past few weeks, and we decided that we got to review this thing. So let's talk about it. We open up with Zartan on the chameleon, which is kind of cool because I don't feel like we saw that a whole lot in the cartoons. No. He was often in some kind of like airboat or or something like that. I don't feel like we actually saw the chameleon a ton. I seem to remember at least one or two episodes where Zartan and the Dreadnoughts all had their own chameleons, but it wasn't used a lot. And I would see, I would be totally down for releasing. And I think you're right. I think in Sunbow, they were all the same color. So I guess you would have to do uh torch ripper and buzzer just do three more chameleons do a you know do a box set do a dreadnoughts box set with zartan torch ripper buzzer and four chameleons that would be awesome and do them in sunbow colors mm-hmm. i'd be down with that but we will find out what the future of the retroverse holds someday <laughs> uh so zartan becomes sort of invisible or something well, I, I'm I'm guessing he's using his holographic powers, which they you know they explain sometimes. Yeah, I feel like he was invisible, but you've got to be able to have enough of him drawn there so that kids aren't confused. Confused, because I in my notes I've it's we actually get to see him using the power powers. I'm air quotation marks. Um, as opposed to just, you know, a mask. Right, right. Which was like the typical. Right, that will, and that was, and we even see it later in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and he breaks into Lab Central. <laughs> that is literally the name of this place, just Lab Central. Um, and and uh, kidnaps Dr. Hibbentrope. <laughs> Hibbentrope. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, that has to be some sort of inside ref somewhere. It, it is all I can figure. And it's got to be some sort of inside reference. And I looked to see if like Hibben was some root of anybody that was involved with, you know, G.I. Joe or because it's got the word trope in it. it well, yeah, right, right, exactly. And but that's all even Googling Hibbentrope. This is all you all- find. Oh, right. This yeah. is all you find, but you also get, did you mean Ribbentrop? <laughs> Which, no, I did not Google, and I don't appreciate your sassy attitude. Uh, so Dr. Hibbentrop gets kidnapped 
with his uh, beautiful 1950s b-movie scientist voice and i've and i've come to realize that whenever i do like a classic scientist voice that's it th- this is the one i'm doing it's it's chris lotta doing uh doing a wacky doctor going oh where did you go you little micro <laughs> <laughs> i appreciated uh the cobra branded knockout aerosol can that zartan yes, has yes. on his person very much like the bat anti-shark repellent mm-hmm. uh and i gotta tell you i'm not gonna do a zartan costume but I do believe the next G.I. Joe cosplay I do, which, Noel, I have shown you before years ago, and I didn't follow up, but I'm going to now, this character will have a Cobra-branded aerosol can. <laughs> I'm very excited about this now. Uh, so Cobra Commander uh, has decided he's going to kidnap different kinds of scientists, geologists, biologists, all kinds of ologists for whatever nefarious plan, which by the way, goes right along with our rank and file card from last episode, or I guess two episodes ago uh, of Cobra commander loves. That's like one of his hobbies is kidnapping scientists. Uh, so he he of course gives the classic supervillain uh, supervillain video screen monologue to the joes where he claims i will be terse if i don't get 60 billion dollars <laughs> which can we in 1985 i mean 60 billion sounds like a lot now it's like not twitter out, money are you kidding me right but not out of the realm of possibility <laughs> Like in 1984, 85 money, 60 billion? Where did he pull that from? Because that, that would is have been just... like 120 gajillion back then. It, right. Honestly, when he said it, I was like, oh, we're just making up numbers now. I, I feel like it was the Austin Powers movie where uh, Tim Robbins turns around and laughs and goes, oh, that much money doesn't even exist in the right. world. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's same, same kind of deal. And it's, and it is. Like, this may well have been the first time when I was a kid, when I was nine years old watching this, may very well have been the first time I heard billion. <laughs> because that was just, you know, now we talk about deficits and whatever in the term of billions of dollars. But back then, billion was not a comfortable amount. Uh, so Cobra Commander demands his $60 billion and Alpine who is just the height of wit throughout this entire episode, (laughs) pulls out his G.I. Joe Express card and says, don't worry, we'll put it on my credit card. Don't leave home without it. And did you notice the name on the card? Just says Alpine. (laughs) Well, hey, that's his given name. Well, that's that's true. That's what I was thinking. Like, at least if he loses the card, his identity is still protected. Well, his, his given name is Albert M. Pine. So, you know, it's got his name and his code name on it. <laughs> I, I I want a G.I. Joe Express. I want it like a, a an Alpine figure with a G.I. Joe Express now. Yes. Just a tiny little card. Super 7, get on that. Like on Comic-Con that. exclusive Alpine uh, on the blister card. And then the accessory is the G.I. Joe Express card. Uh, also, 
I want a deluxe Zartan reaction set with all of the bodies of people he impersonated <laughs> in the show and one Zartan head that you can place on each body. <laughs> so it would be Dr. Hibbentrope's body, but you can re- remove the Hibbentrope head and put the Zartan head on it. Although, like to a- be fair, the Baroness probably uh assumed the uh the identity of more people on the show's history than zartan did well yeah i think that's probably true so do both yeah give us uh a six-figure baroness set and a four or five i couldn't even tell you off the top of my head it got to the point with me rewatching the show like in its entirety if there's a female character who's not a member of gi joe or cobra it's baroness it's almost always going to be the baroness and sometimes they throw me for a loop because morgan lofton will even voice that character and it turns out not to be the baroness (laughs) (laughs) but but then it's a ghost (laughs) uh so we're yeah we are all when we review these episodes the degree to which they move right along blows my mind because i'll you know i'll be sitting there watching and every couple of minutes or every minute or so I'll pause to write something to write down a note and I'll feel like, man, it's going to take me forever to get through this thing. And before I know it, like the episode is over, I've got five pages of notes (laughs) because so much has happened in this compressed 22 minutes of time. It's really what, what economy of storytelling they had back then. Uh, The mystery of gung ho's hat continues. (laughs) <laughs> he does not have his hat for any of this episode uh, unless you guys noticed it at some point and I overlooked it because, as I said, there's a lot going on. Uh, but in all of the running, and he is not one of the primaries in this one. He's one of the guys that gets stuck on the outside uh, when our primary characters get trapped inside the funhouse, the titular funhouse, as it were. Uh, so. <laughs> they're outside and our our first closing credits sequence occurs alpine says something about being itchy and bazooka freaks out (laughs) drops his weapon and starts scratching like the cartoon character that he is uh and then they realize that they they are up against cobra Bazooka grabs his bazooka back up, runs and trips and fires as we see in the closing sequence of the first season of of G.I. Joe. Although in the actual closing credits, they clip out the tripping part. So it looks like Bazooka is like jumping into action. Jumping into action. Right, 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 right. (laughs) But as we all know, because we all watched the episode dozens of times, he trips and falls and accidentally discharges his firearm uh and then flint takes an even more uh eccentric approach to taking out cobras he throws his rifle at them to trip them (laughs) yes what are we doing just showing off at this point flint Oh, mm, we'll get into it later. That's very much Flint this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've we've got a lot of Flint notes. Uh, so during the conflict with Cobra, 
Bazooka's punch dents a cobra helmet. Uh, and we get the big uh, sequence where six of our Joes get trapped in the funhouse and Snake Eyes, Gung Ho, Zap, and a bunch of green shirts are on the other side of the door. Zap. There's Zap. so yeah. much Zap in this episode. Yes. There is. I loved it. Zap gets a ton of action in this episode, and it's great. Uh, but we'll get back to him later because our Joe's on the interior. We've got Airtight, Dusty, Alpine, Bazooka, Flint, and Lady J. Six Joe's trapped in the funhouse. Well, this is after they've taken out like this battalion of Cobras, and mm-hmm. there's a pan of like I mean, it's like 30 or 40 Cobra Troopers decimated. that are just... Yeah, they're just decimated. We presume that the Joes left them alive. <laughs> but, you know, we don't know in this universe. Did, the, did, they, did they actually take their lives in this world? Because it's just well, like, what a bunch of wimps. <laughs> we we get this. There's actually, and it's not intentional, but there is actually a bizarre logic to all of that that we'll come back around to later. Uh, but I will make the point, uh, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that the Joes and Cobras being able to hear each other in their vehicles was very Venture Brothers, like very much Guild of Calamitous Intent planned. You know, we have these rules about engagement. We don't actually kill each other. We're We're basically playing. And G.I. Joe is, you know, that's where that comes from is this idea that the joes don't really kill the cobras and as we see cobra commander isn't really trying to kill the joes because throughout this episode he could have completely murdered five joes well baroness is just like what are you waiting for destroy them now and zartan (laughs) is like whoa lady i get paid by the hour let this guy take his time i love that line i mean i've always really liked the baroness but she's the only level-headed person this episode like every time she spoke i was like yeah someone listen to her please well, she, I mean, she's always being pragmatic throughout yeah. the entire Sunbow run. She is the voice of evil reason. Uh, so the Joes are in the funhouse and the magnet comes out of the ceiling and only takes their guns and their backpacks. Yeah. And Airtight's helmet. Yes. Which is apparently made of ferrous metal. That's correct. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. Very heavy. Airtight has a very strong neck. Uh, So, yeah, the magnet comes down, takes basically all of the things that would have been on the side of the blister card for the figures and pops (laughs) back up in the ceiling. So our six Joes, our six primaries for this episode are defenseless, (laughs) uh, despite the fact that they are depicted with grenades and whatnot on their person. And I'm looking, I'm watching right now. I'm trying to see if uh, Flint and Airtight. Well, Flint's got his shells still. Airtight has no weapons. Doesn't He doesn't have any, no, he doesn't have no. grenades on his chest. That's right. Uh, and now there's a Burger King commercial, so I've lost my favorite of reference. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Alpine 
life of the party this episode cobra commander explains there he introduces the joes to three doors like the classic game show scenario there are three doors two of the doors lead to death one of the doors leads to cobra commander and alpine says oh so they're all losers then <laughs> that classic alpine wit <laughs> oh albert pine you card uh and then it turns out cobra commander explains that the entire island is a bomb yet another cobra island by the way <laughs> yes well in, in the sunbow show cobra has many temples and many islands yes so at this point in the episode which by the way is like six minutes in <laughs> How are yeah, you we guys? Haven't to our, we haven't gotten to our, our first commercial break yet. No. How are you guys feeling at this point? What have you observed? How do you feel about Joe and Cobra? <laughs> I was super excited. Zap got some playtime, and it, uh, I still think up to this point, this is the most. Um, Zartan. The most Zartan is like what his file card says he's supposed to be. So, like, I'm... this is one of, by this point, honestly, I am rooting for Cobra. <laughs> well, Zartan's very much a mercenary in this one. He comes yeah. across as a goon for I mean, hire he, what was it? Twice. Um, like, when he takes the mask off, you know, the Dr. Hibbert, Hibbert mask, whatever. And Dr. He, like, Hibbert. Hibbert, sorry. <laughs> well, Cobra Hibbert, Commander. Hibbenthrope. <laughs> um, you know, he mentions the Cobra Commander, like, acting costs extra. Like, it was just little things like, yeah. th like that that he would say. So. What I was kind of shocked with with this episode is that, you know, we've seen many episodes where Joe finds out Cobra's doing something and they send a squad of Joes, maybe a couple Sky Strikers, maybe a few vamps like they sent their entire fleet to this island like there's multiple whales there's a whole bunch of sky strikers there you know there's land air and sea coming in to this battle and like all these green shirt joes i was like did they know something more than what was revealed cobra commander wants 60 billion dollars and he's got some scientists i don't know it seemed a little excessive <laughs> well we got <laughs> Six, let's see, the screen I'm looking at right now has six Sky Strikers. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that because that that is an interesting point as well. Uh, so yeah, Zartan paid by the hour, which is a good explanation for throughout the entire Sunbow series why he puts up with Cobra Commander's nonsense. He doesn't care. He's not there for like evil or to conquer the world. He's there to make money. And the dumber and more drawn out Cobra Commander's schemes are, the more money Zartan makes. He's the smartest guy in this entire show. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he bugs out when things get bad. Uh, so, Zap, we've already talked about Zap, uh, gets a really nice role as the explosives expert. He talks about planting the charges on the door door blows up and there's another door and he's like all right we're gonna try a different kind of charge uh he got Z the z's zap and zartan 
the Zs get more characterization in this episode than in any other place in the entire Sumbo series. I say that with no actual knowledge whatsoever, <laughs> just a base assumption on my part. I, w- I would definitely uh, say that you're probably 100% right on one of those two. Yeah, Zap for sure. <laughs> I think this is the most we get of Zap in the entire series. Uh, so inside the funhouse, uh, we of course have three different doors. Airtight and Dusty go through one of them and get to uh, famous in the annals of audible interlude history, the hallucinogenic Cobra Commander balloons (laughs) fall from the ceiling. One of the most apparently famous scenes in all of G.I. Joe. And it is great. I like it's a cool sequence, and it did creep me out as a kid. Yeah, and and it it does help that it is in the... Uh, the, the closing credits as well where the balloons are coming down but that image has always been burned into my brain yeah i 100 percent want uh i would take a classified version i would take a reaction version i don't care but i want that cobra commander that's basically snake face we keep coming back to masters of the universe <laughs> because it's the best current toy line uh, but I want Snake Face Cobra Commander very badly. That would be fantastic. And I'm sure there are customs out there. And uh, I think I said I was going to look them up last time, and I didn't. Uh, Alpine and Bazooka. So this, when we were talking about the Funhouse before, I had kind of forgotten this part. I love dark rides. Everything from the Monster Plantation and Six Flags to Cheapo, like, sideshow carnival dr satan's murder ride (laughs) to the mummy at universal which is the most underrated ride in the park oh dude it's the best ride in the park yeah uh i love that stuff i want that cobra car so badly that's right i put that as there's a lot of missing in action in this episode and that's definitely the first thing i was like we need we need that vehicle Yes, absolutely. Uh, So Alpine and Bazooka get the dark ride with the Cobra robots shooting at them. And within the context of the scene, Bazooka gets killed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just straight up just shot in the head. And Alpine yells at him for it. (laughs) So in this children's cartoon... Alpine yells at Bazooka for getting murdered in a Cobra-themed dark ride. <laughs> wow! And I'm trying to—I was trying to think—are there any other examples where a Joe gets hit by a projectile or a laser or whatever out of a weapon shot by a member of Cobra? Never at any happens. point in time. Never happens. But again, I say that with zero authority and knowledge, (laughs) purely the assumption that this episode is the only episode that exists of G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Uh, So, yeah, that dark ride car is phenomenal. The Cobra bots are awesome. Uh, Noel, you had, you know, a couple episodes ago, these were some of your picks. Uh, I, if, if super seven wants to do these Cobra commander, well, Okay, so well, the there's the bots, Carnival Barker. Well, there's first. Carnival Barker, there's Jack in the Box, 
and then Flint and Lady J deal with Cobra Commander robots. 1982 Cobra Commanders. But I feel like Alpine and Bazooka, weren't those just Cobra Troopers? Cobra Troopers. Yeah, they weren't Cobra Commander. Right. Right. They were just Cobra Trooper robots, I presume. Right. Yeah. So Super 7, make all of this stuff. (laughs) All of it. I will buy it all for your preposterously inflated prices because it's wonderful. Uh, so yeah, Flint and Lady J, like they don't, I was honestly, I'm a little let down. Well, first of all, they go, they, they make like Fred and Daphne in this episode and they're like, you guys go check out. Yeah, these. Right, we're, right. We're, we're going to go over here. And for a while, nothing happens to them. So like, hmm, what were they doing in that cave all this time where Bazooka <laughs> and Dusty were getting taken out? <laughs> Uh, Flint was talking, he was boasting about how he can punish his subordinates for looking at Lady J wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's such a jerk. Um, so Alpine and Bazooka are absolutely Scooby and Shaggy. Um, and I guess Airtight and Dusty are both Velma? I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Scrappy, fair. who knows? That's fair. Um, well, and, and uh, Dusty sort of loses his glasses. Anyway, let's move on. I think that just failed. (laughs) Uh, So Flint and Lady J run into the Cobra Commander bots. So this part, I mean, besides just the way that Flint is coming across this episode that was really bugging me, this was not Lady J. Whoever wrote this scene, um, Because, you know, Flint's all punching the robots, taking them out. And then there's when he's struggling and she's like, oh, I can't get a clear shot. You that robot did not sneak up on her. Right. It was loud AF. Yeah. And she still just was waiting for that moment to have that shot. So her getting knocked out by the robot, I was like, and and mm, also move. Yeah. 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 Like move four feet to your right and take the shot. Yeah, they're they're yeah. robots. They're not they 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 clearly aren't quite that intelligent, but uh <laughs> and yeah. granted, I have not been a lifeguard since nineteen ninety, so I can't remember the last time I had to take a test to check somebody's pulse. But you can't feel her pulse, Flint, because maybe you need to take your gloves off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Flint, take your gloves off to do that but also no they're fit there look gi joe was an advanced special missions force flint had that fensilate years before it was on the market well and they just say i can't get a pulse and then he just leaves her behind so right they just he just left her for dead well, he's talking about his pre-order on Hasbro Pulse that, <laughs> that, that hasn't shipped yet. But I mean, he spins. Flint, Flint is like, everybody else has gotten their stuff from Big Bad Toy Store, but I can't get a pulse. But I mean, there's no reason for her to not have a pulse in that scene. Because it doesn't come, it does, she doesn't like miraculously cover, recover right. or anything. It's right. just, she could have just been knocked out. And same thing with Bazooka. He could have just hit his head on a, like a low bar or something and not gotten shot in the head there was no reason for either one of them to be in that much peril especially in a 1985 well well, there there was to upset nine-year-old phantom (laughs) troublemaker 
uh, terribly. Uh, so in the second sequence, because we had, you know, airtight and dusty got the hallucinogenic balloons. Dusty gets taken out of action. Airtight moves on and gets your Cobra commander Jack in the boxes, uh, which airtight. Let me just tell you, uh, that dude is better than snake eyes. <laughs> his, his acrobatic, his combat acrobat skills are incredible. His dodging, his weaving, like that man is on top of his G.I. Joe combat game. It's impressive. Yeah. Uh, Alpine moves on after Bazooka has been murdered. Alpine is like, Bazooka, no! Well, let's keep going. And he gets bowling. Massive uh, bowling pins and a big Indiana Jones-style boulder bowling ball chases him down. Cobra Commander delighted oh it's one of my favorite cobra commander moments ever well let's talk about it (laughs) no no lay it out for us i got an 11 (laughs) that's better than a strike (laughs) and of course he's referring to the pins and alpine who has been presumably to to nine-year-old us's crushed to death (laughs) In Cobra Commander's insidious giant bowling game. Uh, And then Flint moves on. Again, Lady J has been murdered. Flint must continue on into kind of a miniature arena of sport type situation. Big and empty with a control panel like 12 stories up. So as Flint enters this room, Christian... What is your what's your impression of this Cobra workspace? Uh, so by this point, because I'm re-looking at my notes, it just says Flint die. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really not having him this episode. He, um he was just kind of a uh an arrogant uh but to be fair he's the one joe that makes it through so it it's it's not uh what is it it's not cocky if you back it up i feel like fair Flint backs it up in this episode they had to sell they had to sell that action figure that's right that duke, all... duke was gonna be you know sundowning soon so yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, by this time, Flint and Lady J were were the ones. Like yeah. Duke yeah. and Scarlet were yesterday's news. Flint and Lady J were the the hot two. Uh, and meanwhile, around this time, Zap has also finally, finally gotten through that wall. Yes, yes. yes. Zap has made progress. So Zap, Gung Ho. And what, like eight or so green shirts and snake eyes, because you know, oh, and snake eyes, throw them in every once in a while. Who who is almost a non-factor in all of Sunbow, but (laughs) that's okay. Uh, So they've made their way into the funhouse, but while this is going on, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to phrase this. I have a, I have two notes here. 
Uh, one, oh, no, I have three. Okay, first of all, I love Airtight's voice. He is like, this guy, Airtight, is a standout in this episode for personality, for capability, for competence. Like, this guy is great. I loved Airtight in this, and I want, whenever they get around to a classified Airtight, I want the portrait from this episode, which I think we got in several other episodes. Because I feel like Airtight figured pretty big into a number of episodes. Yeah. I love that Widow's Peak Mm -hmm. that he has. Uh, Even more so than Barbecue, like, I really need them to do an unmasked portrait for Airtight when they get around to him in classified or and, super and his helmet is big enough to where you could get away with it. Yeah. Because... Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. It could be a little oversized and not yeah. be a problem. Uh, so yeah, airtight is my MVP of the episode, but lady J is a close second because I have a note here that says lady J shoots a Cobra commander bot in the, and I will not repeat the word that I chose in my notes because this is a family-friendly show. Uh, I will quote Anthrax and say, lower abdominal area. <laughs> like straight up watching this episode, if you get to this portion where Lady J shoots a Cobra Commander bot, make note of where she shoots it. It will raise its robot voice a few octaves. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and also, it's a good thing Cobra Commander doesn't actually want to kill the Joes because they all just wake up and they're okay. Like Cobra Which Commander, made sense. I mean, for Dusty, you just got to sleep it off. Well, for Dusty, yes, but Lady J and Bazooka both got murdered. Yeah, or, or potentially <laughs> murdered. And Cobra Lady Commander, J should at least have a pretty bad concussion. Uh, well, Cobra Commander who has rigged an entire island, which we must say you'd think would be kind of a valuable asset, right? It's an island. But he's rigged this island up to explode to take out roughly a dozen G.I. Joes. And and he had no no idea how many were coming to begin with. They could have... Brought a stealth battalion of you know two or three as Joe was right. known to do. But by the time he detonates the bomb, or by the time he sets the bomb to detonate, he knows he only has about a dozen Joes, and yet he says this will eliminate GI Joe entirely. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little weird. Uh, and then Flint talking some smack. Your robots are lousy shots, Commander. Did you program them yourself? <laughs> uh, and, and then also, nice shooting, Commander. Flint just talking smack. It's great. Uh, and then once Cobra Commander, Baroness, and Zartan decide, you know what, we got to get out of here, they get into a three-person fire bat. Yes. Yeah. Which it has been established. We've talked about it before. In Sunbow, in the Marvel comics, the vehicles have a very malleable capacity. Uh, the, for instance, the whale can carry everything from three Joes to a shark inside. So 
we we can we, there's some leeway with the three person fire bat. I can accept that. Uh, so Cobra Commander thinks killing ten Joes and a few green shirts will be rid of GI Joe forever. <laughs> uh, the dark ride car is phenomenal. Oh, and after Cobra Commander Zartan and Baroness bug out, the Joes hop into the dark ride car and are on the tracks, which are headed to a wall. Yeah. And Lady J knows what's on the other side of that wall. <laughs> right. Right. She just instinctually, she... instinctively knows that it's the, that's the outdoors. And not like a pit of spikes or a, a, a giant room full of vines that are going to strangle them to death or one of the many things that Cobra likely has waiting well, there's also another interesting thing here going on. Um, Flint discovers that there's a button on the destruct sequence that resets it to three <laughs> it minutes. Resets it to three minutes. So someone could sit there and just Forever. keep pressing that button yes. <laughs> until everybody else gets off. And then you send in maybe one guy just to come in and take that one person out. You get it's like Flint, you're here. We know where you are. We got your we got your uh, your your triangulation. So we're going to send in our best specialty person to come in and get you out within three minutes. Well, everybody else is safe. And this, this is where my critique of JJ Abrams comes in because he stole the entire concept for lost from this episode of GI Joe, a real American hero, because Everything in Lost was built around this weird island where there were all kinds of strange death traps and eccentric characters. Everything was built around this one button that some dude had to keep pressing or else the island was going to what? It was going to blow up. J.J. Abrams, you you thieving Hack, <laughs> stealing your ideas from a cartoon from 1985. Granted, the greatest cartoon of all time, and easily the best fountain of ideas that any creator could possibly steal from. But good lord, J.J. Abrams, you should be ashamed of yourself. For shame. You should credit uh, Steve Mitchell and Barbara Petty for your entire career, you hack. <laughs> All right. Where, where's, what is happening? Where are uh, we? A mushroom cloud is happening right now. Yes, a gigantic <laughs> mushroom cloud because Cobra Commander sets off a nuclear blast to kill maybe two dozen G.I. Joes uh, and then escapes to one of my favorite settings in all of G.I. Joe the Cobra Desert Temple, mm. which, okay, speaking of kind of media crossover things, if I'm remembering right, there is a Super Mario Brothers game where there's like a desert castle mm -hmm. comes mm -hmm. up out of the sand, mm -hmm. and then G.I. Joe, yes, G.I. Joe has now this one does not rise up out of the sand, but I think the weather dominator uh cobra has a desert fortress that rises up out of the sand. And this one very, very similar. I love a good cobra desert fortress. 
such a good look, the perfect environment for, for Cobra to set up a giant snake temple. Just, I love it. It looks great. It's a fantastic cell of animation. And then Zartan, what does he do? Like, literally, like, three G.I. Joes on the satellite screen. Zartan's like, I gotta go. I'm out. Yeet. Yes, yeet, as the kids probably said (laughs) ten years ago. (laughs) And we've discussed on this podcast from time to time, uh, are the Joe vehicles, are there singular vehicles? Are there multiples? Like, how does this work? In this episode, we have two Wolverines, three Mobats, and like just a ton of Sky Strikers. And some Armadillos, uh, I believe, as well. Yeah, some Armadillos uh, are in there. There's a Mauler, there's a Silver Mirage. And, Is there a Mauler? Yes. Well, at least maybe it's a miscolored one. Um, no, yeah, there were Maulers as a, opposed to. Okay. But Mobats. there's also like a bizarre sense of scale here because the armadillos are as big as the Wolverines there. There is a ferret that comes out between two his tanks and it is yeah. like, it's like a hot wheels car. <laughs> <laughs> Look, scale is a never ending issue for GI Joe. I just, just now am reading, uh, the Marvel comics episodes, uh, episodes issues, 74 75 76 where serpentor famously straps baroness to the front of the hiss tank and you guys if you go by the size of the hiss tank over the course of three issues baroness is anywhere from eight to 12 feet tall there are some (laughs) scale issues with gi joe and that's okay I'm grabbing a screenshot of the tiny ferret right now. Please do. <laughs> we will post that on Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram. Uh, given that those two dozen Joes decimate an entire Cobra Fortress, I actually, in retrospect, have to say that maybe Cobra Commander's logic of blowing up an island to eliminate a dozen Joes was not a bad plan after all. Because you got to think, this is a fortress. This is Cobra Commander Baroness Zartan and what, like 500 Cobra troops? But a few dozen Joes with like six vehicles show up and they're like, we got to go. And they're routed. I'm still kind of baffled by this whole plan by Cobra Commander because there's a point where he presumes that some Joes are dead and, and yells, I now possess the world's uh, world's brightest scientific minds. Well, you already did. And right. the only reason why like they were really that aware of it was because you told them. <laughs> so That's really, actually a really good point. You probably could have avoided most of this. <laughs> just by like, all right, let's just kidnap them and put them in a like clandestine like a secret room and just have them do experiments look much like wwe superstar dolph ziggler (laughs) cobra commander is the ultimate show-off he doesn't care if he wins the match he just has to show all of his skills from bell to bell 
that's all that matters to him is they have to see, oh, I got these scientists. What am I going to do with them? I don't know, but I got them. I was Dolph Ziggler. What am I going to do with all these super kicks? I don't know. I'm not going to win the match, but I'm going to throw out a bunch of great super kicks, a, a zigzag. I'm going to do some, some flippy stuff, and I'm going to look good doing it. Doesn't matter if I win or lose. I just got to look good. And that is the first time in the history of the universe that a Dolph Ziggler Cobra Commander <laughs> Harrison has uh. been made. <laughs> uh, right at the end of the show is we're wrapping everything up. Uh, we get... it's This is hilarious. This actually made me laugh out loud. Uh, Flint is literally doing like a Scooby-Doo exposition ending where he's explaining everything that happened in Cobra Commander kidnapping the scientists and everything. And in my head, I'm thinking, is Flint really doing a Scooby-Doo exposition ending right now? And as I thought that, Alpine says, Flint sure does like to talk a lot, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) And I lost it. I was dying. Uh what did you say? Yeah, what did you say? Oh man, it was cracking me up. And then Lady J says, Hey, I sure would like what did she say? Somebody like take me for a walk on a beach or something like that. Uh and and uh Alpine and Bazooka both express interest in Flint straight up threatens his subordinates if they so much as look at his lady J. A little inappropriate he's a jerk abuse of power. So while while Cobra Commander is the Dolph Ziggler of the G.I. Joe universe, I have to say that uh, Flint is perhaps the Vince McMahon (laughs) of the G.I. Joe universe. Abuse of power. So closing thoughts. uh, Thoroughly entertaining episode. Like all pretty much every Sunbow episode fast paced throwing so much at you that if you're not sitting there pausing and taking notes you don't have time to think about how absolutely zany everything that happens is I mean these were I love the fact that these creators just threw so much insanity into a blender just to entertain kids like because there is a bizarre internal logic like yes cobra commander doesn't win and yes it almost seems like he doesn't care that he doesn't win but it's the game of it it's again as he just wants to blow up an island well he wants to blow up an island he wants to 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 hassle gi joe as doc hammer and jackson public so succinctly parodied 20 years later it's this grand game of one um, one upsmanship between a terrorist organization who doesn't really want to take over the world they just want to make gi joe look dumb uh it's it's such a fun ride every single episode of this show what what were you guys left with after this one concluded? 
I was actually pretty impressed at how many characters get at least some background cameos in this one. Um, because you get a lot of 82 Joes. There's, of course, Zap gets kind of in the forefront, but you also get to see, like, uh, I think it's Short Fuse and Rock and Roll are running around in the background in a scene. Breaker. Yeah, Breaker gets some action on the, uh, uh, well, at this point, we had to introduce Baneframe yet, so you still had to have a guy running the uh, the comms back at the HQ. Um, but, but, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of characters that I was like, I didn't realize they were using them like that frequently by this point. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed the episode. There were so many WTF moments, like the bazooka getting shot. Um, but definitely the flint. It reminded me of. It, I don't know if you guys remember, but like when I got the classified Flint figure, I had mentioned like Flint was never one of my favorites growing up. Well, you're not a beret guy, like no. Well, that's true. That's right. But like the sculpting on that figure is so good. Um, and this episode was just kind of reminding me, yeah, Flint's personality on the Sunbow show was just un. Bearable. Well, it, and it's funny because I, I hadn't really thought about it because I've, I've watched these lots of times. Like I said, I've got the box set and it's on Tubi now, and I throw it on all the time. Uh, but when you sit down to review an episode and take notes and think about it and pay attention to it, it's a different experience. And Duke is so much more likable than Flint. Flint mm-hmm. is this like, you know, I say cocky and, and in the context of a children's cartoon, cocky seems like a good thing, but he's like this, this arrogant, almost smarmy kind of guy. And what's funny is Larry Hama kind of played him the same way in the comics. Like Flint is not really a likable character as no. he's presented I mean, in any of the media. I'm sorry, listeners. I had this in my notes and I said I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to go ahead say and it. say it. Do it. I put, of course, he's a warrant officer. Like, <laughs> if somebody has to be the person to give you the crap news or just absolutely ruin your day. He's that guy. Of course it's going to be he's blessed. he's his his secondary military specialty is Schadenfreude. Yeah. You, you <laughs> Which know. I didn't pronounce correctly at all. <laughs> but if if you are unfamiliar, it is a German word for the enjoyment of others' misery. And I that's think, Flint. Uh, I think part of the reason why because I was I never cared for Duke and i loved duke dude when i was a kid i loved duke i think that a lot of my like a lot of what i my, my perception of the characters was was informed by of it was a, it was a hybrid of cartoon and, and comic but i think a lot of the characterization that i really took out was from the comic and duke is barely in the comic um larry did not like using the character he's you know he's not used as a leader in any way in the in the comic at all um, 
Flint does get a lot of face time in the comic. Uh, same thing with like Falcon. Falcon shows up and he kind of gets shoved in the background in the comic. Whereas he and he's terrible in the cartoon. Well, in the the comic Stalker is really kind of the main field guy. Yeah, and that's why and I always love Stalker. Coolest character. Uh, like I said in my reread, I'm up to. I think I just got to issue 76. The I'm in I'm in the Cobra Civil War. Uh I have not yet spoiler alert, I have not yet gotten to the part where Zartan shoots Serpentor in the eye with an arrow. Uh and for the 75 issues that I have read, Stalker is the most central well Hawk is the leader. But as far as like active things and and the guy that you kind of feel is expressing Larry Hama's point of view, Stalker is the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I love him even more now after doing this reread because he really is just the character that Larry Hama seemed to invest the most in. Uh, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about <laughs> Sunbow and what a jerk Flint is. Uh, so at the end of the day, it's honestly, I feel like it's dumb to even try and rate this because, uh, like I said, everything GI Joe <clears throat> from 82 to 87 is honestly on kind of equal ground with me. I love all of these episodes. I love the comics. I love the toys. Like I can't say really anything is really much better than anything else. I love it all. I had a blast reviewing this episode. Uh, I watched it a couple of times and it's just fun and it's great. And it deserves the conversation that we've given it over the past few of our episodes. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't, I mean, when I watch these episodes again, I'm not looking at it from like, uh, a completely like art, artistic critical viewpoint. No, no, no. I'm looking at it from, all right. I remember this episode from being a kid. It was fun. Then it's preposterous now, but there's so much care that's put into it. Yes. And you, you realize that so much now because they, these were, as we've said many times, these were just commercials for toys and they didn't have to be, they, they, no one would have expected that 30 years later, here we are still talking about them because they they engaged us so much with the storytelling. Right. And you can look back at a lot of the animation from the 80s and it was not as, uh, I, you know, I put up the other day or last week when I went to vote uh, that G.I. Joe taught me that empathy was critical and to protect civil rights at all costs that comes from the cartoon that comes from the comic book. Like, yes, these are goofy and fun and ridiculous, but at the same time, there are lessons, there are messages. And I'm not just talking about the knowing is half the battle stuff. I'm talking about the cartoons themselves, like wrapped up in all of the ludicrousness. There are lessons about working together, about valuing humanity about cherishing individuality, like all of that's in here. 
it's it's part and parcel of what these creators got across to us. Uh, and yes, it's a lot of fun, but also it's it's what shaped me, you know, as a 46-year-old man, I can look at these things and recognize like this is what shaped my perspective on the world is hallucinogenic Cobra Commander Williams. All right. Well, I think we have covered everything we could possibly cover about this fantastic episode of a fantastic cartoon. Are you guys ready to move on? Yes. Do it. Take a breath. This is Rank and file card where we take a look at the original Larry Hama scripted file cards from the GI Joe, a real American hero action figure series. Uh, and you know what? I got to say you guys, if I had planned things a little bit better, we would have talked about zap today, <laughs> but instead we're talking about short fuse. So with a Z with a Z, which Okay, so I got to tell you guys real quick. When I was a kid, I very specifically remember thinking that this character's name was Short Fuzz. <laughs> and my dad, his haircut. my dad having to correct me, no, that's Fuse, but it's spelled wrong. <laughs> and I have to assume that's for copyright purposes. Uh, what, what are... What are your memories of this character from from way back when? Well, he I, wasn't one that got used a whole lot in really any mm-hmm. media, um, and he wasn't a he wasn't a toy that I even had until I got a mail away, probably in eighty five, um, when the whatever the the program was where you could mail away for figures that have been discontinued, right? right. Um, <clears throat> But I always, when, you know, when the original G.I. Joe line came out, uh, I always kind of compared them to the, the Green Army men that I had. And there was always a mortar soldier. Yes. So I always thought it was cool that there was yes. a mortar soldier in G.I. Joe. I didn't even really know what a mortar was, but I just knew he had this like weird weapon that sat at 45 degrees and shot rockets up in the sky. Same. I, he was somebody i wanted uh because pretty much anybody whose helmet knows a beret guy i'm a visor guy yes if their helmet had a visor i wanted it i had no idea what a mortar was but when you saw all the rockets in his backpack then that's cool he shoots rockets i believe and I've, i've told this story before I believe Short Fuse was one of the first figures that I got from that uh, Eckerd spinner rack the very first time that I discovered G.I. Joe. Um, I don't know that I used his mortar properly in any way because it is an odd weapon, like if you don't have context for it. Although, again... Same deal, I'm sure my dad, who retired a lieutenant colonel in the army, so he was initially very, very on board with G.I. Joe. That was part of part of the reason that G.I. Joe is so special to me, 
is that it's one of the few things my dad and I like really connected with because the first couple of years of GI Joe, he was way into it because it was so much based on real military. Uh, so anyway, short fuse, we're going to talk about his file card. Uh, the image on the file card, we, you know, we have not done this and that's my failing. We really haven't talked about the images that are on the file card that are taken from the card art. Uh, so with Hawk and Cobra Commander, we kind of didn't talk about that, but with Short Fuse, we're going to because this image has so much character with it and the visor, the helmet and visor combo looks so cool in the art here. He's got this like intense grimace on his face. He's got his war face on. Yes, he has. Show me your war face. This is a war face. Uh, he's got the helmet with the clear visor. Looks awesome. Uh, just really cool. And, and what's funny, though, is with this file card, the mortar is not in the picture at all. So you have no idea what this guy is actually doing if you don't have the front of the card, uh, which, of course, you're going to, but... This is rank and file card where we're just looking at the file card. Uh, so very cool image. He is web the... gear is a different color than the actual figure, though. Yes, but I think that happens a lot. I think there are a lot of variances between the card art and the figure itself. Um, he is mortar soldier, codename short fuse with hyphens. Can I tell you, I have never been more confused in my life about the use of hyphens <laughs> than I am when we're talking about G.I. Joe. Because sometimes Short Fuse has a hyphen. Sometimes it does not. Sometimes Snake Eyes. You guys, before we started this podcast, I was a thousand percent positive Snake Eyes had a hyphen. Most of the time it does not. But sometimes it does. I think scrap uh, iron is that way too. Yes, scrap iron is another one. Uh, file name. So this is where I've talked a lot of times about all of the blocks that are on my internet usage at work. So I'm at work and I see file name, uh, Freistadt, Freistadt, I don't know. I apologize for my pronunciation. Uh, Freistadt, Eric W. But then I get home with my unblocked internet where I can access whatever I want. And I see there are three different names for short fuse. What is happening? Witness protection program. There's Eric W. Freistadt. There's Mark W. Brinstein. Berenstain. Berenstain. Berenstain or Bernstein. <laughs> And there's Mark W. Freistadt. So there's always a W in there. That's there's all we always know. a W. But otherwise, what the heck is going on, you guys? I would imagine one of them is the 1.5, right? Do you guys know anything about this variance in his names? Mm -mm. No, because I didn't discover I pull this. I mine out now and look and see which version of the card I have, because... Well, and I need to organize my file cards because I've got uh with with the 
huge drop of Joe's that I got from my buddy Jason years ago. Uh, they also had all of the file cards. I don't know which one I have, but I do know that I've got the straight arm short fuse. So my guess is that mine is Eric W. Freistock. Oh man, look at Noel's beautiful recipe box full of file cards. Now, are they alphabetized? Are you going to be able to locate short fuse? They are uh, by rank is the way that I have. Good Lord, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so so, so his see. rank is E4, uh, E4 Ensign so, 4. So let's see here. I'm in the... well, while you're doing that, we will move on to his yeah, serial on number. Serial number RA3022532. And we will, as rank and file card continues, we will be referencing reissues, different versions of characters to see if Hasbro and Larry Hama were careful to include the same serial numbers. Uh, looking at the four different file cards for short fuse, he does have the same serial number across all of these file cards, despite having different names. What kind of scams was this guy running? <laughs> uh, his primary military specialty is artillery. So I decided to do a little more research than I normally do. So from Southern Oregon University, which for some reason is the first thing Google pops up when you look up military artillery, the field artillery is the king of battle. They are sound leaders of soldiers as well as astute managers of the most deadly resources on the modern battlefield. They blend a knowledge of tactics and technical expertise of many weapon systems to provide all types of fire support to ground gaining arms, which means they're the guys at the back of the line as the infantry is moving forward, gaining ground. They are experts in the capabilities of cannons, rockets, missiles, naval gunfire, and close air support. So artillery is not just throw a mortar, launch it. There's a lot more to it than just that. So interestingly enough, I dragged out, I have two file cards. One of these would have been my childhood one. The other one is probably from the collection that my friend Doug sent me a couple of years ago. So what I just now learned is that apparently I did not get this from a mail away because I have action figure card backs on both of these. And if they were mail aways, they would be what the red card backs, right? Yeah, it would be the red card back. So apparently I did get this one at retail. Uh, and clearly, this is the one that I got because it's way more carefully cut out than this other one. <laughs> I, know the view, I know that the listeners can't see this, but I would have never done this dodgy job so this, of cutting So this it. is your no short fuse Doug. from when my, you were a kid? This is my short fuse file card from when I was a kid, yes. I still Whoa. have all of them. So this one is the Eric W. Freistadt. So if I got this, it would have been probably 84 ish so do you um, think that's the swivel arm or the straight arm that would have been the swivel arm mark w oh. brinstan is probably the version that i got from doug or it could have been from another collection that i got um 
that I almost passed on that was like someone's entire collection for $10 because I wasn't collecting G.I. Joe at the time. And boy, am I uh. glad that I, I did take him up on that because he was getting ready to just like like abandon it if nobody bought oh it from him. Oh, my gosh. It was at a geek garage sale many years ago, and I wish those still happened. Um, but yeah, so apparently I did get mine at retail. And the other one, I believe that he sent me, I can't remember if it was a, um, if it's a straight arm or a swivel arm. So interesting. Um, so his second military specialty is infantry engineer, uh, which my own dad was an engineer. Uh, he was in Vietnam as an engineer. Uh, and if uh, a quick synopsis, a combat engineer is a type of soldier who performs military engineering tasks in support of land forces, combat operations, combat engineers perform a variety of military engineering tunnel and mine warfare tasks, as well as construction and demolition duties in and out of combat zones. And here's something I'm going to throw out to you guys. I do not know if he will go for it, but I think I might try to rope my dad into giving his thoughts about file cards. Oh. Um, I'm going to shoot him an email tomorrow with our next rank and file card subject. He may not. He may not do it. He's he's uh he's a little fickle. <laughs> but I might see if I can get him to either type up or even possibly record his thoughts about our next file card. I would be very interested to see what he has to say about this. Uh, and I think it would be mostly positive because early on in GI Joe he was very into it. I mean, we know that Larry Hama has a military background and especially all of the first couple of years of GI Joe had, had a pretty strong basis in reality. Uh, so I, I'll, I will be interested to see if he takes us up on this or not. We'll see what happens. Uh, short fuses birthplace, Chicago, Illinois. He is a second city saint as it were. Best in the world. Uh, we already mentioned his grade is E4. Uh, and then we get down to the biographical stuff. Uh, Short Fuse comes from military family, much like Hawk, uh, which we discussed before. Uh, his father and his grandfather, both career top sergeants, enjoys abstract mathematics and can plot artillery azimuths and you guys i like to think of myself as fairly well read <laughs> i believe i have a relatively high vocabulary compared to the average joe but i had no idea what an azimuth was <laughs> if it had been presented to me with no context i would have assumed it was a wizard from harry potter <laughs> An azimuth, according to Wikipedia, is an angular measurement in a spherical coordinate system. More specifically, it is the horizontal angle from a cardinal direction most commonly north. 
So actually, that makes a lot of sense. So an artillery azimuth would be being able to calculate where a mortar is going to land on the curved surface of the earth. So they're saying short fuse can calculate this in his head uh, as well as triangulations. So basically he's a mathematical genius or geometric genius, uh, specialized education, artillery school, engineer school, advanced infantry training, which I think nine out of 10 GI Joe's, have advanced infantry training. Like, I feel like I've read that a lot. <laughs> uh, he's a qualified expert in an M14, an M16, M1911A1, M79 grenade launcher, an M260 millimeter light mortar, and an M181 millimeter medium mortar. I enjoy these weapon specialties, uh, but I will tell you now, I am not a gun guy. I could not pick any of these out of a lineup. <laughs> uh, this, I just love this stuff. I love this background. I love fleshing out, uh, you know, short fuse is probably a little lighter in the biographical stuff than a lot of other characters we're going to get to. But just seeing this list of uh, armaments that he's an expert in and a little bit of his background and the fact that he's uh a combat engineer on top of being an artillery specialist. Like it just fleshes him out a little bit more. And as a kid, I didn't understand any of this, but I look back and I see kind of the play options that were available with this one character. Well, and you think about too, that, um, you know, he, he's not a character that got used a lot in any fiction, but no. when uh, he was used in the comic, he was always drawn with glasses. So he kind of looked mm -hmm. like he was more nerdy and studious. And that makes sense. Yes. And I'm sure that was informed by this bio because he's a, he's a math, he's a math nerd. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that goes down to, uh, you know, we get the quote, which I'm, I'm a hundred percent willing to go along with Hawk being the one that wrote all of these uh, short fuses, logical and sensitive. He has a tendency to blow his stack, hence the nickname Short Fuse. It's a little more concise and a little less revealing than some of the other quotes we're going to get to in some of the other file cards. But essentially it says he's an angry nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like, like I've it. known people like him in my life. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> uh, so overall... This is not the most revelatory file card uh, that we're going to discuss, but it does give kind of one of the more plain figures a little more personality and a little more purpose than we might have given him as a kid without this reference. Mm -hmm. So in reading this and going back and actually looking at this file card... <clears throat> Uh, was there anything enlightening for you guys? Was there anything that opened you all up a little bit more about short fuse? I honestly never, I may have known it at some point in time, but the multiple first and last names was something that uh, kind of surprised me looking at the, looking at it this time. I was like, Oh, huh. 
I wonder if I have multiple file cards with different names on them. Well, I mean, it blew my mind because, like I said, until we sat, until I started putting my resources together before we recorded this episode, I had no idea. So this was a wild thing, and I'm looking forward to seeing if there are other figures that have this phenomenon. Yeah, most and most of the characters from this era, like I know. I can tell you what their real names are because that's that's information that I was able to retain other than like, you know, how to keep getting better and better at my job um, in real life. <laughs> Nobody cares about advancing at your job, but yeah. it's very important that, you know, Bazooka's birth name. David Katzenbogen <laughs> from Hibbing, Minnesota. Exactly. Um, but uh, but like I always, Herrick Freistadt was always the name that I remembered. And that's probably because that was my childhood, uh, my childhood file card. And I right. believe when they did like order of battle, that's the name that he's, that he's listed in uh, listed as. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the most official version. It's the one that Yojo lists as the default. Oh, and actually hmm. uh, you bring up, you mentioned order of battle. Uh, I also want to mention the yearbook because uh, Mrs. Troublemaker picked up for me, the GI Joe 40th anniversary hardback that is it's reprints of a few key issues of real american hero uh the yearbook the first yearbook uh and then just a lot of cool extra content it's worth picking up if you come across it at your local comic book shop it's very interesting to see what they've decided was a fun 40th anniversary collection so if you see it, grab it. It's it's worth having. Uh, so there you go. Short Fuse, Rank and File card. Not the most illuminating one we're going to discuss, but worth revisiting. And like I said, I, I did. The biggest takeaway for me was that combat engineer uh, description. I enjoyed seeing that. All right. Well, I do believe you guys, it is time to wrap this thing up. This is Knowing is half the babble where each of us get a little bit of time to talk about well anything we want and it might not even be about gi joe noel do you want to kick us off this time yeah uh i was just going to mention um i will sure have some reports of it next time we get together to do a news episode but uh this weekend uh greenville uh is a retro toy con greenville south carolina uh, are you going yes i'm gonna head up on friday I'm so jealous i'm working not only all weekend but monday as well but uh my 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 friend brian and i are gonna ride up on friday we're gonna do the you know do the toy swap on friday uh. night in the lobby and then uh i mean it's i've been doing that show with the finest for a long time um, really since it first kicked off like four or five years ago but this year seems really big yeah it's a it's a bigger show this year um and as i mentioned i mentioned it last year this is one of my favorite shows because it's not a gi joe show but it right. is a gi joe show right so right. you 
So there's a lot of the same, the same vendors you're going to find at like a Joe Fest or, um, you know, uh, Joe Lanta or something like that, that really are devoted to GI Joe. And they, they're going to bring out a few other toys at this one, but they're also probably going to price their Joes a little bit lower than they would at a dedicated Joe. Right. Show. Right. So uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, adding a few pieces to the collection this weekend. So uh, yeah, I'll, uh, if anything, really interesting comes out of it I'll, I'll report on it next time we get together to do one of these uh, live streams i'm giving you two assignments oh okay one if you find a mint in box uss flag <laughs> you let you let me know okay i was gonna say buy it and, and just strap it in the back of my honda civic uh, yeah <laughs> two you must interact with arthur berghardt The first one might be a little bit easier to pull off. I, don't, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't do the the celebrity. Accounts. I know you don't, and I don't care. I want a null interaction <laughs> with Arthur Berghardt. I want that very badly. Or is Rebecca going with you? She is not. She is actually oh. getting a, getting away with her with her girlfriends for the weekend. So. Oh, see, she would. I she. I think she would have a priceless interaction with with Mister Berghardt. <laughs> um. All right. Well, you you get to pick one of those two assignments, one one or the other. All right. Uh, my babble is kind of a hot button thing for me, having a Needless Things YouTube channel, uh, doing toy reviews, doing GI Joe reviews. I have come across a word that is a red flag to me. That the second I see this word in the comments. I know I can automatically disregard everything that this person is saying because they don't have a mind of their own. They don't have any original thoughts and they are parroting a, uh, a set of opinions from an internet hive mind. And they don't have anything truly interesting, original or thought provoking to say. The second somebody drops the term Hasbro, I know I can disregard them with as much certainty as I would disregard somebody who says flat earth. (laughs) The moment I see that word, you are gone from my consciousness, other than the fact that you have created engagement for my channel, which is a good thing. So you you come around and you say has blow all you want and and I know it means absolutely nothing it's 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 loudness with no significance whatsoever so you you say it all you want drop your comments because that's engagement and that helps my channel out but just know that what you're saying has no more meaning than than a a, a a dry fart in the middle of an open field. <laughs> Christian, what is your babble? So polite. okay. Um, so I want to give uh as I typically do for these a shout out. Uh my friend Randy came down this past weekend <clears throat> uh to do the do the Disney parks and brought his dad along. And his dad is a chief warrant officer, level five. Cactus Macaulay, who spent 40 years piloting helicopters in Whoa. war zones for the military. 
So he spent 20 uh, years piloting a Huey starting in Vietnam. And he went all the way through. Uh, he retired. They called him back. Uh, so he was there all the way up until like uh, the Middle East stuff. Well, I was going to um, say it, Desert Storm. Yeah. Uh, and wow. by that point, he was piloting a Bell OH, uh, OH-58 Kiowa. Kiowa. I'm totally pronouncing that wrong. Um, but look it up. That helicopter is amazing. Um, but so he was sharing all these stories about what it's like to pilot military helicopters and something I never took into account. Uh, and obviously as a kid playing GI Joe, who knows these things? Yeah, yeah. Um, but for every box of ammunition, every missile that gets loaded onto there, there is only so much weight a helicopter can be in order to take off. So the more artillery you add, the less fuel you can add oh. to balance it out. So he was telling me stories of, you know, by the time you get X amount of pounds of ammunition shells and missiles, you have enough, you know, you have like 20 gallons of gas basically going into a helicopter. So it's fly up. You better do the job right the first time. Cause you got just enough fuel to get back. Wow. So that's intense. Yeah. The stories that he told me were amazing. So again, I want to give a shout out to Cactus McCauley and thank him for his service. That is like almost like a real life wild bill name. The, right. Yeah, right. Well, because right? he was born in Texas. There so that is. was his, that was his call sign. Warrant oh, officer, great. helicopter pilot. He's just got it all. Yep. <laughs> Well, you guys, it is time to wrap this thing up. Uh, our music is by Andy Sanford of electricminnowmusic.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast. That is the best place to tell us about things that we missed, ideas that you have, things that you want to hear about on Audible Interlude. Give us ideas for interactive stuff for our next live stream, which will be on November 29th. Uh, Twitter doesn't exist anymore. I don't know, <laughs> but we're there at GI Joe Audible. Noel, tell us a little bit about the finest. The finest is an international GI Joe costuming club, who uh, of course is always raising money for a fantastic charity called Canines for Warriors. Uh, if you've ever thought about uh, dressing up like your favorite Joe or Cobra character and think that you might be finest material, then uh, check out the finest recruitment center on Facebook. Check out the finest out there on the interwebs and uh, help us raise money for a fantastic, fantastic cause. And Christian, you recently put up a really cool reel of the Tiger Force Outback figure. Tell us where we can find that and yes. your other figure photography. You can find me on Flickr.com and Instagram under Legion Cub. You guys, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about G.I. Joe once again. As always, yo, Joe! Cobra.
You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.